What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 361, broken up into two parts, A and B. B. Thank you. 361A, posting on 1219, will be a discussion on The Boy and the Heron from Miyazaki. And 361B, posting on 1222, will be a discussion on The Boston Strangler, mm-hmm. available from the Hulu streaming service. I one of your host, Grayson Maxwell, joining me. No, not joining us, as he does every week. Uh, Roger's absent this week. and uh, Obviously, but, it's not every week, then. But who is here is our lovely primary guest, Christopher Bond. Merry Christmas to all of you out there. This will be one of the last episodes that post before Christmas. So I hope everyone out there has a very safe and happy holiday. And yes, <laughs> where Roger is. So last week, last time. So Roger was out two weeks ago and he did not like the fact that he was fatalityed on Mortal Kombat. So he did not. He was he was quite upset about that. But so this week. Roger was so upset, he wanted a rematch with Chris. And Chris, once again, wiped the floor with Roger. And that's right. Fatality'd, fat, fatality heat him again twice. And paling him on some spikes. And then Ice Roger spikes. bled Ice out. Spikes. Yeah. Ice spikes. Yep. Yeah. So that's so, what happened again. <laughs> it's factual, even. So I do want to say something. When, uh, when you asked me... Uh, if I was certain on what happened to, to Roger, or not when in our text message, you only you forgot the R in his name, and I read Ogre, <laughs> and I, was, yeah, I spent a good fifty minutes thinking, what the hell is he talking about, Ogre? Like I re- I, I rechecked the uh, the um, the trailers to make sure I didn't miss a trailer. Like I didn't know if there was a movie called Ogre coming out, but it's all clear now. And yes, <laughs> that's so funny that you spend fifteen minutes on that and just just instead of typing Ogre question mark. Well, I, I didn't want to disrespect you. You know what I mean? I, I figured you know what you're talking about, and you wouldn't, you know, drastically mess up, you know, someone as important as Roger's name. But here we are. I didn't realize I did that. I'm sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. He, he, no, he had sorry. it coming. Oh, it does. It does. O G E R. What the heck? Ogre. Ogre. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny, but yeah. So what? What? What is your rendition of why Roger is out this holiday season? Oh no. For or this this week. What? What? What's your rendition? I mean, I think it's I think it's the whole Andrew Garfield thing, right? You know what I mean? It's kind of like along those same lines. What does that mean? That he kind of hates you? I don't know. Like that's, oh that's my all I can God. think of. You, you can't. No, 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 no. He was fatalityed. There we go. All right. Again, hanging on some ice spikes. That's what's there. happening to him. All right. All right. What's going on this week, Chris? We are in the last week before Christmas. Everybody's on? sick. Everybody's sick in in my family, my house. I'm sick. I'm coming to you live with a remote with, with, with the slippers on and the pants off. You know what I mean? Ooh, so the it slippies. is what it is. Nice. Yeah. So pants are off though. Good for you. Oh yeah, always. Always. You always don't wear pants in your house. Even I mean anywhere, even in the studio. You just never look down. That's true. That's true. <laughs> last week you was kind of cold, and you came in with shorts, t-shirt, and a and some slippies on. I gotta be honest. I did. I really did. <laughs> I don't understand. What, what, I don't understand how you are more not freezing last week, but it, it was it was cold. It was very, I'm very I'm, cold. I'm building up hair, dude. I've got fur. It's fine. Or two weeks ago. Sorry, two weeks ago. But yeah, yeah. you came in. You were like, yeah, it's not cold. And it's like you just came in like rocking shorts. I'm like, Chris, it's like it's like 17 degrees outside. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm the uh, the difference in our attire that uh, that night was was actually like startling. I was in slippers and no socks, shorts and a weird shirt, and you were in. You know, like 
you know, like nicer clothes. Like you could have been going to like, you know, like a job interview or like a work function thing. And it was, yeah, it was, it was noteworthy when I came into the studio that night. That's usually what I wear at work. Like it's just when I'm out and about. I know. That's what I'm saying. Usually wear like jeans, like nice shoes, a button up sweater, like a like a button up shirt, sweater. You know, I use, I try to look look nice for people. I go to Walmart in the exact outfit you saw me in that night. You know what I mean? It wouldn't bother me at all. <laughs> That's true. Well, Walmart's a whole different <laughs> whole different thing, but all true. Yes, yes, sir. So, what else is going on? Anything? No, not really. Just gearing up for the holidays. We have a lot of birthdays in my in mine and my wife's family this time of year. My brother just you know he was uh, we just celebrated his birthday a couple of days ago. A couple a uh, couple of the younglings in the family have birthdays in December and stuff. My daughter's birthdays in January. So it, it's just a lot of. A lot of parties, a lot of getting together for kids stuff, and then yeah, a bunch of family stuff the next two weeks. All right, fair enough. That's that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, birthdays and Christmas. I I didn't. I don't like having the idea of like having a birthday at Christmas because when you're growing up, of course, I had friends that had birthdays. Like one of my good friends down the street, I grew up with, went to mm-hmm. elementary school and middle school with. He his birthday is on December twenty third. Yeah. So. Yep. It got rolled into Christmas ever like that sucks, oh, man. Always that does, yeah. Sucks. That's no fair for when you're a kid. Like you, you, you have to differentiate those two things as as a parent, and you can't just. I mean, it's, it's hard for people to budget that way, though. It's, it's you know, you, you want to be able to do everything you can for like you know for a kid's birthday, you know, you I mean whether it's you know you're the mom and the parent, or if you, you know, just family member of it. But then like if it's buckled so close to you know the most expensive holiday of the year, you know, it it, it is kind of hard. I get it. Yeah, but what you can't do is just buy the buy the gifts you're going to give their kid and then just pick one for his birthday, which is what like I think we figured out that's what they did every year. So, I just think that's wrong, but I maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't have to worry about a budget around the holidays, so yeah, I can yeah. see that. But well, like I mean, kids that have, you know, a birthday in June, man, like they like, you know, they're they're kind of the almost the furthest away from Christmas, away from other holidays. They get to, you know, they probably have, you know, a track record of just better turnout for gift giving and things, you know, where someone in, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, someone in December or January or February, it's probably a little bit lighter. You know what I mean? It is yeah, what it is. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, budgets are a little strained, a little more um, tighter than, yeah, I know. I totally get it. I just, yeah, it sucks. My birthday's in May, so I don't I never really had to worry about that. Yeah. See, Other yeah, you're good. Always nice. But his birthday was not in May. It was in December 23rd. Yep. Uh yeah, gearing up for the holidays. Um, I'm I'm saw I'm seeing it's a wonderful life later. Um, I'm kind of happy we're doing this earlier on Sunday though. I don't think our box office will be complete, but we'll just report what's what's there. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy to be watching it's a wonderful life on the big screen later. I'm really excited about that. I've seen that of course a million times on TV and VHS and but never on the big screen. So I'm very excited. Right. About that. That's cool. I'm gonna see that, and then I'm just uh, excited for the holidays. Gearing up, man. It's um. I will talk about my trip to Iceland here soon. Not ready for that yet, but um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and um, I'm really excited for Christmas. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Christmas. I know Roger's kind of a bah humbug when it comes to Christmas, but yeah, I'm I love Christmas time. I just don't like I just don't like you know some of the stuff involved with Christmas. But I love I love the holiday and everything like that. I've seen family on Christmas. I don't know, it just feels special. It feels different, especially with you and kids. Like I feel like that's got to oh, be yeah. a thing, right? With kids. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're. You know, they've been excited the last four months for Christmas. You know what I mean? So we're ready. All right. This is episode 361 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. 
without further ado, let's get into the box office. And this week, it's kind of a slower... It's actually a whole lot slower. <laughs> um, again, we're not reporting with like the full Sunday numbers in yet because it's still... It's what time do they usually hit? 5, 5.30 on gotcha. East Coast time, which is... We're a couple hours early. It's still like noon in West Coast, so you really don't yeah. have any numbers yet. But gotcha. so far, as of 3.26 on Sunday afternoon, it, it or Sunday, December 17th, uh, Wonka, $39 million, bringing a worldwide of 151. That's huge. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, That's pretty good. The Hunger Games, number two, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake, $5.8 million domestic, bringing us worldwide to 289. Good for The Hunger Games. The Boy and the Heron, another 5.2 domestic, bringing us worldwide to 109, mm-hmm. which is respectable. Godzilla minus one. For, for a movie like that, yeah. Not, not bad at all. Godzilla minus one, number four, 4.9 million domestic, bringing a total of 64 million worldwide, which it might be a little light, but it hasn't opened in all the territories yet, so. We'll see when that trolls band together. Number five, four million, bringing us worldwide to one eighty three. Again, these numbers may be soft because it doesn't have any doesn't have any uh, Sunday box office yet from the West Coast, so numbers could be a bit soft. As of right now, six through ten, Wish, Napoleon, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, <laughs> Poor Things, <laughs> and The Shift. Now I laugh at Renaissance because it's done a worldwide of thirty eight million. Taylor Swift just took a massive crap on Beyonce, and it was, I can't I mean, even believe. What? Say it. They're, what? They're just, they're two very different artists, and you know. Yeah, sure, but one does really well, the other one doesn't do well. It just doesn't make any sense. Just, like, they're, okay. They're both just superstars. It, just in this medium, you know what I mean? Where I, I'm sure Beyonce's oh, sure, fine. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, she doesn't care. No, I just think it's funny that. People, I was looking at Reddit, and people, a lot of people took Beyonce as going to be the, the bigger box office. I'm like, there's no way, no one is, no one is superstar level like Taylor Swift. I mean, I thought Taylor Swift was going to do like billions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, you do, you, you did think that was going to be a little higher. I was, than it was way wrong about that, but oh well. So that's that's the box office. Nothing crazy there. Again, numbers may be light though because the reporting mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. We're recording a little earlier than normal. Yeah, it can't be too far off though. Let's talk about upcoming releases. We've uh, talked about this for le- several weeks now. This past weekend, Friday, December tenth, December fifteenth, sorry, brought us Wonka and a bunch of streaming stuff. December twenty second, anyone but you, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Migration, Poor Things, and December twenty fifth, Christmas Day, which is Monday, by the way, The Boys in the Boat, The Color Purple, Ferrari, and then let's just look at January. January 5th, which is a Friday. Memory Goes Wider and Night Swim, which is kind Night of cool. Night Swim. Actually. Yeah. yeah. January 12th. Uh, the Beekeeper, The Book of Clarence, Mean Girls, and Pixar's Soul re-released. That's I'm, I might check out Pixar. That's one I really enjoyed, Pixar's Soul. I, yeah. I know you probably did too. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know how to feel about Mean Girls. Honest to God, I don't know how to feel about Mean Girls. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hope it does well, you know, for all sure. Sure, sure. Involved, I, hope, I hope everything does well, but it's just, we'll I, don't, I don't know. I don't January. hope everything does well. Every now and then there's a movie that I look at, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you probably should have saw this coming. Uh, and then the 19th, ISS is the big one, which is a, the, the space station movie mm, with Ariana yeah. DeBose. So that's, that'll be huge. Origin and the end we start from goes wider. And then that's it until February. But that, not a not a very strong 
I don't think it's a very strong. Um, what were the movies the first week of January you listed? The first week of January were Memory and Night Swim. Night Swim, yeah, that's right. That's the one with the, de- with the demon pool, the haunted pool. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's you know, come springtime, it's hungry from its winter slumber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems so, so stupid. <laughs> where, where someone thought it was appropriate to say Marco and wait five minutes before opening their eye mask when no one said Polo. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? If someone doesn't say Polo within the first three seconds, I'm opening my eyes. That's just I'm, how it's going to go down. I have my eyes open the entire Marco Polo game anyway. Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way. You cheat during Marco Polo? A, I'm not playing Marco Polo to begin with, sir. Both, you know, both of you do assume. <laughs> you just said you have your eyes wide open during the during the Marco Polo game. Yeah, I'm not playing that. I have to assume you played it once when you were a kid and you cheated. I mean, probably. Let me be fair. We all did, I'm sure. We all tried to squint in the sun and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a throwback to when I was in summer camp. We all remember those days, huh? We all remember those days. What's streaming this week? We're our, on our tour is Hulu, and one movie I've always kind of been a fan of, although I didn't, I don't, I didn't like it as much as other people, but I've always really been a fan of it is the the the, the animated The Polar Express by director Robert Zemeckis, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, Michael Jader, Nona Gay, two thousand four. Uh, this is what I think is a very heartwarming story. We all know that we all know the story. Um, we all have read the book. We all were told the book growing up. It was nice to see it adapted to the big screen. And Tom Hanks has this almost kind of annoyingly wholesome persona about him. Even animated characters he plays still come off as like super wholesome and <laughs> just really family friendly. And it's always been something I've admired about the man, especially in the character he plays here, the train conductor that. There's just something about it that makes that movie really magical. And even when I was a teenager, I think I was 19, I must have watched this movie. And I and I worked at a movie theater at the time. I must have watched this movie five times in a matter Jeez. of two weeks. I loved it. I thought it was it looked great. I don't think it looks great now, but I thought at the time it looked wonderful. But it really will get you into the holiday spirit. And it's it's a great little story with a great with a great um, message at the, at the end too. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one well, thing like, I'm always going to talk about. You, you mentioned the um like the the cgi and stuff it, it definitely hasn't held up well their teeth look weird like when you watch that movie now everything like, about that movie looks weird when you watch yeah it it, like, the animation style was very stiff for like back when that came out so it, it doesn't hold up well in that regard but like you said the story is it, it is a very nice story and things you know and it, it is a good holiday film i agree i agree um if if roger was here i assume he would have chosen elf by director John Favreau, and by assume he would have chosen, I know there's a zero percent chance he would have chosen Elf. Uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart, Zoe Deschanel, Mary Steenburgen, Faison Love, Peter Dinklage, Amy Sedaris, Michael Lerner, Kyle Glass, 2003. I always forget that uh, that Zoe Deschanel's in that. That that uh, that's my wife's girl, man. Like she loves she loves her in most of the things she's in. Zoe, she's how do you forget she's in that? She's like the other main character is Zoe Deschanel. I, I don't well, so uh, truth be told, I'm not a big elf fan to begin with. I actually despise that movie with every ounce of my being, but you know, so I don't think about that often in that regard. But I, I you know, I always forget she's in it because I don't think about the movie, I guess. But yeah, I am with you. Here's the thing about elf is when it came out, this movie did well, like well into February, this movie was still selling tickets every single weekend and i didn't understand it because it's just a stupid movie yeah 
Like, you know, I, I have never been on the Elf train, but I'll admit it. the box office was huge and people did love it and people still talk about it as if it's like one of the most beloved holiday classics ever. And I just, I don't see it like that, but maybe it's I'm w- just not seeing something. It's one of the movies that gets played at like, at like holiday, re- like, like rewind times. Like right now, if you go to Marquee Cinema in our area, it's one of the, it's one of the movies playing up until Christmas Day that you can see in theaters, like the, the cinema flashback stuff. So a lot of people really do love the movie. It's just, I don't know, like, I'm not a Will Ferrell guy to begin with, so like that's that's already working against it in, in like in my opinion. And the movie's just loud and very like juvenile, and I and I don't enjoy that. But there's there, there's a there's plenty of people that do. You know the same. You know like it's it, it's it's probably a lot of like crowd overlap between like you know old Adam Sandler fans and this kind of movie. You know things things along those lines too. Well, things were a lot different in 2003, True. especially in True. 2002 when this would have been shot. Is Things are very different now. It's yeah. That was during like the loud, boisterous, ridiculous version of Will Ferrell, which I mean, it can't be much different than anything else. However, it was like that was during like the nonsensical era of Wolf era of Will Ferrell, where like it just most things that he was in were just silly. I mean, it's all they were. were I mean, yeah, you're right. Adam Sandler in the late '90s was probably akin to what early 2000s was for Will Ferrell. Yeah, was just silly, off the wall, didn't make sense heinous but made a ton of money in the box office <laughs> i dude i will use that word i was never been a fan of elf but like there are tons yeah. of people out there that love it so oh yeah obviously yeah. the failings on my end so it just it is whatever but i mean you can be in the minority and be correct sure, don't I forget mean, that just, i just never saw <laughs> i just never saw the value in elf i just one of those movies i'm just like why do people love this thing so much yeah and Chris, you chose the Christmas movie of all Christmas movies, Blade, by director yep. Stephen Norrington, Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, and and Bushwright. Tell us about it. Do you want to tell the people uh, how I equated Blade to Santa Claus? Because I was also... opening my phone to do just that. I said, Chris, <laughs> there's no Christmas movie you want to talk about? Chris says, no. He says, Blade dot 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 ellipses it's like santa claus the color red is associated with him and he brings gifts to all the vampires yeah so yeah the, it's it's just one of those movies that you can fit into en- to any season and be fulfilled and it goes along with you know wherever you're at but in, in all seriousness you know I'm, I don't, I'm not a big christmas movie guy there's not a lot of them that i do like my favorite christmas um thing to watch in the last couple of years has actually been the uh the guardians of the galaxy christmas special it's fantastic you should watch it if you haven't but Blade itself is a it's a great action movie. It was a good comic book movie before comic, comic book movies like really like took off. And it Wesley Snipes is fantastic as the character. It it's just a fun ride all the way through. And the supporting cast is great, you know, like the villain in um Deacon Frost is a great villain, very animated especially near the end of the film when he when he gets all like, you know, powered up and things like, you know, go his way. And then I actually really like um what's his name Donald Donald Luge Donald Logue what's his what's that what's the sidekick to to Frost I don't know whenever he's in something I think he's actually you know one of the more underrated actors and I, and I like his character too uh, I think he's fantastic but yeah I I think I think Blade is a great movie all around and every now and then whenever it pops up on like FX or something you know I'll, I'll watch it wherever it's at all the way through it's just it's kind of a fun ride. Blade is a good movie, and of course, Blade Two I think is is a real heavy hitter when it comes to wow, look at what comic book movies can be in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I think Blade yeah. Two really kind of brought it, but Blade's a really Blade's a very uh, a very competently made movie that actually I think did a lot. I, now at the, at the time, 
I'm not quite sure people knew it was a comic book movie. True. Yeah. But true. it was very well adapted. It it made sense. It you know it Wesley Snipes was the right guy to play to play Blade. Uh, it just oh, yeah. it, it 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 did it did all right. And again, it gave us the second one. Who made the second one? Um, who's the guy who made Pan's Labyrinth? Who is that? What's his name? Pan's Labyrinth. Blade. Yeah, two. he's huge. Um, he's huge. But yeah, but here name. we are. Um, I don't know. He's made, but he. I think he did the second one. He. That's oh yeah, one. yeah. Uh, Del Toro, right? Del Toro. Gig. Guillermo. Yeah. Guillermo. Yeah. Yep. Boy, that one was. That was the real heavy hitter when it comes to. Awesome, awesome movies. Well, I think like you know, like Blade and Blade Two also like paved the way for things like 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 the Underworld to come through. While Underworld's first movie was its best showing, don't get me wrong, but like you know, th- there's plenty of fans of of like the whole vampire werewolf thing that I think Blade opened the door for. So there there are some gems and th- there's a lot of diamonds in that rough in that genre. And Blade was one of those things that really got that started. I think the, the resurgence in like the yeah, thousands era. Wrong. You're not wrong about that. The Blade did a lot for that time and it was like that was pre like that was the pre zombie era pre everything mm-hmm. era pretty much yeah. too so yeah boy if we only knew the the vampire era we were going into with twilight and everything <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a, little, a little different feel right uh, much different yeah um, well cuz like so like so, i mean you mentioned zombies like when did dawn of the dead hit that was 2004 right 2010 no oh dawn of the dawn of the dead i i think no. walked dead dawn of the dead with the, the Zack snyder that was like 2005 yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, if you follow the timeline through, it was, like, Blade, Blade 2, Underworld stuff came out, along with Dawn of the Dead, and then, like you said, then, like, Walking Dead hits in, like, 2009, 2010, and, like, so you can almost see the through line of, like, the whole, like, the whole monster, you know, monster movies, monster, like, properties, like, kind of, like, taking hold, and then it just ran away with it with Walking Dead, and we've kind of, we kind of evolved that into, like, you know, our superhero era and our our medieval fantasy era as well, kind of, like, came hand in hand. It's weird how that all kind of like go. If you, yeah. you can literally follow a chart of what was popular when and well, think when, I mean, yeah. you could just kind of think of the age groups of like you know of like people like in, in their like their mid twenties and mid thirties. You know, like that. You know, that's our generation in a lot of ways, and you know they're becoming you know the people that are watching everything because you know they're, they're the ones with you know real jobs and you know adult lives and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it makes sense. It follows through with like you know people going into creative spaces that are like probably within that age generation and stuff. Underworld. There's a movie that like I love the first Underworld. I first one's great, great. Yep. And then they go downhill real quick after. They that. do. They do. The, the first one is it, while it's campy, it's it is actually pretty good. It's a lot of fun, and it, it's it is a decent movie actually. And then you're right. They just go. They just go off the rails really quickly after that. Like I don't understand how that happened. To be honest with you, because like the first one is so like tastefully done. I don't think campy is the right word, but it is like there is a certain quality there. Like that last sequence yeah. when uh, they're fight Bill Nye oh, is yeah. fighting her in like that that open labyrinth is like that's mm-hmm. awesome, man. It is. Yep, you're right. You're right. Mm. We we were you're right. We were in like a weird vampire phase for a couple of for like almost <laughs> almost a decade. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. It was uh it was America's goth kid era for a little bit. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <Kind of funny. laughs> Well, so if you have Hulu, you have access to the Polar Express, Elf, and Blade mm-hmm. to watch for your viewing pleasure. Let's talk about some trailers. A big one, Fallout, with Ella Purnell, Aaron Motten, Walton Goggins, and Moises Arias. It's a series on Amazon Prime. I don't have hope. I don't have high hope for this. But what do you what do you think, Chris? So they had me in the first half, right? 
And then I start seeing some imagery where, so I'm not the biggest Fallout fan. I am a Fallout fan, but I am not like a diehard knows everything about it kind of thing. I know people, however, that live and breathe the Fallout universe. So in respect to them, I'm not going to like dig into too much that I don't understand. But here's what I do know. Most of the time in all the Fallout games, we don't got helicopters anymore. We don't have aerial uh, aerial anything. So like the first half of this trailer, I kind of was was I liked the like the imagery we were seeing, you know, what the voiceover that was happening, what they're talking about. But then like the second half, you get you get a lot of working technology. You get a lot and you get like characters that don't feel like they fit, you know, like everyone's starving in the Fallout universe. No, you know, like, like there's a lot of things happening in the actual like, you know, the canon and the lore, you know, have you where I don't know if it matches up with this trailer and I don't trust Amazon to make anything. So we'll have to see how this goes. I- I'm excited to see it just because I'm a fan of the Fallout, you know, the Fallout series. It has some great stories within its gaming, you know, gaming space and just the lore. But we'll have to see what Amazon does with it. I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on it just because I know who's making it. And the trailer's second half was not very exciting to me. I agree with what you said about who's making it. I don't really have much faith in Amazon anymore. Um, they, I mean, some of their movies have been okay, but I and that's what we just really say look at here. But Lord just of the say Rings, it. Lord of the yeah, Rings, yeah, say yeah, yeah. They, they, they made Rings of Power. That's all. That's all you have to say. Rings of, Rings of Power was that there's they couldn't have gone further from what the vision should have been. They're still blaming the fans. There was like a recent thing that came out where like they still were blaming like the viewer base for it, it not doing well, and I just I can't believe they. They're sticking to that gun so hard, but whatever it is, what it is. Well, I, without 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 saying a whole lot, I will say that my my contact, the guy I talked to that works at Amazon, uh, their their production side, um, he's like they don't appear to be learning any lessons, which I thought they were going to do from the first season of Seasons of Power, Rings of Power. So that's a shame, man. That really is a shame because they could have some awesome franchises here, but they won't. Yep, it is what it is. But I yeah, nope. I don't look. I don't. Well, the trailer to me is fine. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you said about like helicopters and all this tech, like I, that's fine. If you're doing episodic Fallout, you, yeah, I think you have to be a little more forgiving with um, why when it comes to the game adaption because like you gotta. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're going somewhere with it. Maybe all the helicopters aren't in the future. Hold maybe on. they're in the past. I have would no you idea. Have, would you have said the same thing about Last of Us? Um, we don't know where in the timeline all this tech plays. We don't know if they're if they're showing us scenes from before what happens in Fallout to make it apocalyptic. They're in the, fa- we they're in the we Fallout. They're in the Fallout suits and the uh Okay, the well then okay, well, yeah, I forgot that that is there's a there's yeah, a, yeah. a Fallout suits. You didn't answer my question though. Like would you say the same thing if they had made taken liberties like that within the uh, the Last of Us series? Probably. Yeah, all right. All Probably. Right. That surprises that's, me. That's that's so important to me like the last of, I mean, Fallout's not much different. Fallout, I mean, as as far as the video games are concerned, Fallout is like oh, it's huge, more beloved franchise. Absolutely, is huge, yeah. massive. Yep. Um, but we'll see what they can do with it. I don't agreed. I I will reserve judgment until I see like the maybe the first three or four episodes. But again, Listen. I don't. I would. Remember- I said there's no way. <laughs> there is no way they can screw up the Rings of Power. They have. They they have everything already done for them all they have to do is adapt the story i remember and, I, remember, I remember me and you texting back and forth about rings of power because we were watching it kind of at the same time but like at different paces and i remember like <laughs> like the one time you were like you're like i can't believe they did this <laughs> like i can't like when the rings of power because i text i told you after or whenever 
after the first or second episode, whenever we saw this this weird wizard come down and we saw the guy in the boat, I'm like, I know who those are. Yep. One's gonna one's gonna one's one one's a wizard from the Astari, and one is gonna be one's gonna be what turns into um what turns into Sauron. And you're like, well, maybe, but I'm like, no, that's it. And I'm now yep. disappointed. And like <laughs> that turned out to be I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe I'm right about this. Yeah. What a joke. But again, don't worry don't worry amazon amazon's making my uh my warhammer thing so it's we can all be dis- we can all be disappointed together it's fine it's well it's a shame fallout's getting made by amazon because it's not going to do it any justice so we'll see I, 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 for for fans maybe not but yeah for for the fans of the series i hope amazon knocks this thing out of the park and i hope that i'm terribly wrong track record shows though otherwise not. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I want this thing to be amazing, and people talking oh, yeah. about how amazing of an adaption and faithful it is. Yep, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to Avatar: The Last Airbender with Tomlin, Tamita, Elizabeth Yu, Daniel Day Kim, Gordon Cormier as the as he's Anks, right? Mm-hmm. That's who the title character is. Mm-hmm. Ken Lang, and it's a series on Netflix. I also don't have high hopes for this. I got to be honest. So I listen, want to, but I don't. Anytime we hear about Airbender, we're always going to have the. Uh the Shama Lama Lama Lan in our, you know, in the back of our minds. So it's always going to be a little tainted. However, you can't do too much worse than what he did. So chances are it's going to be better than that. I don't know how good it's going to be though. Here's the thing though. Netflix has had some recent successes with things like the, like the, the one piece adaptation, the 10 episode or nine episode adaptation of one piece has been a huge success for them. It got talked about with such high praise and even like that thing is janky at times. It's got some, it's got some, some suspect acting in it and, and like weird effects, but I guess they really like pulled through when, like when it counted and they got the spirit of it like spot on. So this is another, you know, like, you know, animated thing turned live action. So and don't forget that. So people that don't like that kind of stuff, you know, or they like talk about not liking like you know anime that's done to live action. You have to have the same energy for this. But a lot of people for some reason forget about that fact when it comes to Airbender, or they're very, they're more they're more forgiving. I don't know, maybe it was because it was more like you know like a cartoon like around you know the time you know on U.S. side in in that vein. But I don't know. This looks like it, it's going to be better than what we've gotten before. I'm suspicious and cautious, but uh, if this is this is good, it could be really cool. Like the Airbender thing has always been super popular, you know, on uh, you know in the USA. So hopefully this does really well. I think it looks better than than what we've got in the past. Um, I want to say that you're right about it. Can't be worse than the live it, it action can. we've got. I mean, that's there 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 has been fewer times in big budget Hollywood when there was an adaption that just didn't get it right. Yeah, but yeah. that was one of from what I'm not an Airbender guy. I don't. I've I've seen some episodes here and there, but like I yeah. don't know much about the lore. But I remember watching a movie and thinking to myself, "Holy crap, this is an awful movie." I can't imagine what the fans are thinking right now. Yeah. So and, and that's the thing. So like I, I thought about like you know like introducing my daughter to it because she's she's very much into anime and stuff. We we watch a whole bunch of stuff together now. And I've never seen Airbender all the way through. I've seen like it like just snip like snippets here and there. So it's something that I could like watch with her and enjoy. So if this is good, we may we may watch rewatching that at that time. But it's I, I don't know how good or how faithful this is going to be. And like like you said, it, it's going to have to be better than what we've gotten before. So I guess it's a small win. Well, One Piece really kind of 
I mean, I, I imagine it's going to be kind of on par with One Piece, right? Like you wouldn't. It, it looks higher production than One Piece by a lot, because that was the thing about One Piece. It, it 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 was charming, and it felt it stayed very close to like the spirit, and you know, for the adaptation. But it it definitely didn't have the budget, and it was a little bit wonky at times, you know, with like just how I don't know, like how everything was created and produced. This looks like it has way more money behind it compared comparatively. So. The more money doesn't mean better, don't get me wrong, but combine the spirit that they got right with One Piece combined with more budget and a more popular, um, a, a very popular subject with, with it being Airbender, then this might actually be successful. Well, I look, I, I'm going to say what we always say, I just hope it doesn't suck, yep. but Netflix doesn't have the best track record. I, mean, I think they have a better track record with shows and features, for sure. True, true. Uh, but again, One Piece, though, wasn't terrible. I haven't really heard many much chatter about it lately, and it's not even on my watch list anymore for Netflix. No. So no, it, it came and went. But like again, it wasn't anything outside of it wasn't anything spectacular. Besides, for people that were fans of One Piece, because again, it was it wasn't it wasn't a complete failure. It was very it was very good for the people that already liked One Piece. It didn't bring new people into that though. Okay, well, we'll see how it does. I'm yeah. Again, both those. Fallout and Avatar are both just teaser trailers, but those are big, big, big mm-hmm. franchises that people know worldwide. True. So I wanted to get like the first impressions on that. And let's talk about an actual trailer for a film, another Netflix film, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F, with Eddie Murphy, Judd Reinhold, Kevin Bacon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Paul Reiser, John Ashton. It's a feature on Netflix, and of course, it's the fourth Beverly Hills Cop film. What, what, what do you think about this? I have no opinion on this in either direction. Nice to see Eddie Murphy show up you know, alive and well, at least, at least in some degree, unless there's, unless, you know, he's been taken over by a skinwalker. Other than that, you know, I'm, I, I, I've never seen any of the Beverly Hill cops before this. It's never been in my wheelhouse of things I've ever wanted to watch. So. Beverly Hills cop is a product of, you know, the late eighties, early nineties when they first started to be super popular, Mm -hmm. especially with Eddie Murphy is I get, I'm excited for it, but like many kids today, many young people today just aren't going to care about Beverly Hills cop. They just won't. It's like it, it's like Beetlejuice. I keep saying about this new Beetlejuice movie. It's just too late. No, I mean, who is the, who is the target audience? Who are you listen, targeting with these movies? Listen, young kids don't pay for the Netflix subscription. Well, fine. This was on Netflix. I think Beetlejuice though is theatrical, but which is a little different. But with this one, I don't think you're going to see this for more than a few days on your recommended on your what's trending because it just won't. I don't think people care about this. I, I'm I'm happy. I'm one of the few people that cares about this. Mm-hmm. I think they're fun. I think they're, you know, they're they're kind of like rush hour to me. Like they're, they're they're they can be funny. They have their place. It's just I don't know how many people remember Beverly Hills Cop, let alone care <laughs> about a fourth one. Yeah. But no, I'm excited for it. But then again, it's like this is a weird one for Netflix to just invest money in. I think, especially like Eddie Murphy is is he even relevant anymore? No, he's been gone for. <laughs> for a while now like I said, 23 I years right i mean besides shrek he's been gone for 23 years almost yeah yeah you know it's just like what i mean i'm not trying to be negative i'm not i'm trying to do this thing where i'm not true but like i don't if i were looking at the like if, if someone if i was netflix and like grace we want to do another Belleville cup movie i'm like why the the 70 the, the undoubtedly 100 million dollars they invested in this film is that going to bring 100 million dollars with the revenue back probably not <laughs> Nah, probably not. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine so. But for, for what it's worth, I am excited to see this only because I want to see what he can, what he can do. You know, several decades later. Yep. 
uh, with the character, but Axel Foley. But we'll see, man. We will definitely see. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are trailers available to watch on our social media. Fallout, Avatar, Last Airbender, and Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F. All right, Chris. Let's get into the movie of the week. It's a pleasure to talk about The Boy and the Heron. Let's get into it. Uh, you, we, we, you, what do you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes are? Uh, 92 for critic and 87 for audience. 96 for critic and 90 for audience. All right. All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't that's off that. That's pretty good, man. That's <laughs> Oh, it is. It's very, especially for, that's... especially for a film that requires you to think to really understand it. Oh, so. there's a, there's a lot going on in this one too. Oh, there is. Yeah. The Metacritic sitting at a 92, which is fucking excellent. Yeah, 92 on Metacritic. Holy crap. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about a movie all the year that's gotten above a 92. I don't think well, I don't think so either. On Metacritic anyway. Metacritic's much tougher, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think we've gotten that. But now I so before we get into it, let's talk about the let's talk about Japanese cast. Yeah. Um Soma Soma Sentoki, Masaki Suda, Ko Shibasaki, Emeon, um Yoshino Kimura. And Takayu Kimura, those are the ones I feel I feel comfortable pronouncing. From what I understand, it's a very very good voice cast for yes. the Asian territories. Very very well known people. They and and they they did they're very well they're very well well known. So mm-hmm. the English voice cast though. Now did now you said you watched this movie both ways. Yes. And which one did you did did you think did the movie better justice? Um, I think that in most cases it's going to be the original, the uh, the original uh, subtitle versions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean that that does not discount the work that was done on the English dub, and that's and that's the case for any time there is a good dub. You can have a great dub that really does bring you know things to life on you know the English side of things better than it can you know where there is that language barrier. The biggest thing is like the emotion from the characters. It's very hard to get that write one-to-one when you pull it from its original language into a dubbed version well of course there's 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 localization problems there's phrases that make sense in japanese that don't make Mm -hmm. sense in english and vice versa exactly yep of course of course but however i want to mention now i didn't realize this until after i had already walked out of the the boy and the heron the or the original japanese voices with english subtitles Christian Bale, Dave Bautista, Gemma yep. Chan, Willem Dafoe, Mark <laughs> Hamill, Robert Pattinson, Florence Pugh, Ma- Mamadou Athi, my God, Dan Stevens, Barbara Godson, Denise Pickering. It just goes on and on. Yeah. I, I mean, was, I'm upset I did get to see the movie and I wanted to. I just the timing didn't I mean, work out. But. You're going you're gonna to be able to. And with how much it sounds like we both enjoyed the movie itself i don't think you're gonna mind watching this one more time you know with, with the english dub going you know what i mean and when you do watch it that way robert pattinson does a brilliant job as the, as the heron actually it's actually kind of it's it's kind of crazy to think that that that, that is it that is robert pattinson <laughs> i imagine you're probably right about that but this is so here's the thing about the boy and the heron and my first impressions are this. I'm a big fan of Miyazaki. I've liked everything he's done. Even what was the one in 2013? Oh, the the Wind Rises. Yes. Now I remember when that came out. I had, I had a conversation with another friend of mine. I, I mean, I, I don't even think I can call him friend anymore in Pittsburgh, but about I said, there's no way this yeah. is Miyazaki's last film, and he argued with me until he was blue in the face. That no, the Wind Rises is the final Miyazaki. I'm like, there's no way. There's just well, no well, way. In both in both of your guys's defense. 
he's come he's come in and out of retirement i think a couple of times now after this has been made right so sure, it's like sure. yeah it, it you know and we've seen other other people within the space do that as well but yeah he you know i and this movie does speak to that in a way because you know he's looking he, you know he i think this movie does a good job of representation the the pain and hardship and the difficulty in pass in like passing the torch which this has you know lot you know undertones of that within the movie itself and i think that speaks to that exact situation i agree well i mean the reason i bring that up is because he bet me a billion dollars that that would be his last film a billion you need you need to get in contact with this boy you got in, well, I, you got receipts i sent him a text and he just said dude we're not we're not doing that i'm like well okay but <laughs> we, we had a bet we had a bet i, I was fairly certain that wasn't going to be his final film because I, yeah. I i knew he was working on games so i'm like well, if you're gonna work on games you're, you're not gonna you're not done so yeah. of course you're gonna so here's the thing. About, okay, so first impressions of the boy in the hair and watching it in the in the Japanese voices English sub is there's a lot going on in this movie. There <laughs> and is. I mean, there and by a lot, I mean there's a lot going on in in, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of, of of characters that all represent something else, which mm-hmm. I dig. I'm, I'm I'm a fan of that when it comes to, f- to filmmaking, especially in animated movies, because it's easier to do in animated movies. So. And I wanted the, I didn't get this one until well into it. So, and I just want to say going into it, I, we, we saw a trailer. I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like a trailer that we would consider in here in like the, the U S territories, like to be a trailer. It was, it was more of like a, here's what this movie looks like. Be excited for it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought for sure, given the title, the boy in the hair, and this was going to be about. Oh, for sure, this is about a boy who loses his mother, who, for some reason, this heron comes to him and whisks him off to a to a whisks him off to an in between world where he's gonna he's gonna see his mother again and have a choice to save her or move on and live his own life. I was pretty close, pretty close, yeah, yeah. L- l- what l- I saw the trailer, but yep, this movie is weird, and by weird, I mean <laughs> this movie is off the wall weird. However, I think it's it's steeped in like Japanese lore. Oh yeah. So there's a lot there. The idea of the film, you know, well, there's a lot of ideas within this, within this film, but it's, it's for Miyazaki. There's always a lot of grief loss and then dealing with that and choices to make along the way, things you can face or things you can hide from. And all that's represented here. Uh, Also like, you know, the, the, you know, the ability to have, you know, for, individual strength and then the advantages of you know of having family and close ties to family get, help help you with things which is which that is a big like japanese culture thing too is you know bloodlines and the importance of there's a lot happening within this film all the way through and there's a lot of like lessons being told and in it which again is right on point for you know for a studio Ghibli work period, but especially with, with Miyazaki. And I don't know, like the, the music in this is fantastic. It carries it all the way through and just imagery is, is, is a delight to see and all of it. All, you know, as, as you come through and think about what's on screen, if you have the time to, or just enjoying the visuals that you're getting along the way. And then thinking about it later on, the, the movie just does a great job of all the, all the tonal things it's trying to, is trying to deliver. And on top of all of that, you know, something that happens a lot in 
Ghibli works and and Miyazaki ones especially is that there's a little bit of slice of life in there and a, a lot of times that is like like an anime term for like what kind like like a genre but there's long lasting shots on people doing you know like just mundane work right people working in the fields people working along the road and that's to kind of like give more of a feel of you know of the real of you know the real life work that people are doing you know along the way to make it feel more grounded in reality before it goes into whatever fantastical place that like the movie takes us it does a good job of all of that i agree i agree with what you what you said and it's it's really kind of a movie you you can't even when you're watching it in english voices or in the japanese or in the original japanese voices i, I think it's this is a movie that really kind of requires your attention the whole time you shouldn't be texting you shouldn't be you know, doing laundry or, you know, apparently, you know, or, or periodically poking your head in and uh, you shouldn't be doing that. No, because there's no, a lot you, going on here visually, too. It, it's very easy to be very lost after or to miss something and think that, you know, what's, you know, the, what's going on, the whole story. For example, there, uh, what, what's her name? Kimiko, the old lady that gets pulled into the, um, like the, uh, the world with him, how, uh, the young Kimiko hands him a token of the older version and he puts that in his pocket, you would have never understood if like, if you missed that one little exchange, you would be so confused that she pops out of his pocket at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, you know, where, where was she the whole time? Like you would never know if you missed that one exchange at, at some point. Right. But I mean, and, that's, you know. yeah. Sorry, go, go, go on. No, no, just, just, you know, like, like you said, like you can't, you, this river does require your attention at least for the first, for the first time you view it or two so that you understand everything that's at play all the all the small messages being told and then after that that it's something you could have on you know and have like a treat you know er, you know whenever you have time to look at the screen in between whatever you're doing but first viewing or two you definitely have to pay attention to this movie to understand what's happening i i agree with you i agree 100 percent um and i i think when i go when i finally do see this in english voices which i hope to the next day or two is the i think the movie will have a different tone to it i, th- I really think it won't have the same tone that the japanese voices gave it Emotion, like some of the emotional stuff, probably won't hit quite as uh, quite at home, just because of again, like that, the, like that difference between a subtitle and a dub. But it does a, it did a really good job of, you know, of still representing the film and and, and the points and things along, you know, along those lines. I, I don't, I don't think it fails in that regard. Okay, well, I mean, you you've seen them both, so you you will mm-hmm. be the one to tell me during this. Um... Yeah, yeah. During this analysis, that we can go with this discussion about where some of the changes may have lied. Now, what's your just real quick? What's your favorite going into um, the Boy and the Heron? What's your favorite Miyazaki film going in going into this one? I've always loved um, Spirited Away. It's just it's it's one that I'm excited to rewatch with my daughter. As I said, like you know, like me and her watch a lot of a lot of a lot of anime together already, and she's only eight. I think that'll be a movie that she will enjoy. I think she's still. Some of the imagery might be might spook her a little bit too much right now. I think when she's ten, it'd be a good time. But I've always loved Spirited Away. I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke for me are the two. Mm-hmm. Yep, also love. a very good movie. I mean, Howl's Moving Castle is very good. I wasn't yep. a big fan of Ponyo, by the way. Ponyo's good. Ponyo's Ponyo's a good film. I, I again, like like you can't name too many. <laughs> Ghibli films and go, man, that movie was trash. Like it's just not gonna happen. They, you know, they've always made very, you know, quality work. You know, in, in at least some regard, whether it be visually or story wise, things like that. And a lot of times, it's a combination of both. I, I, I would agree with that. Sure. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. So, okay. So let's get into um, more specifically, Chris. If you can, what's going on in the boy and the heron? If you can so, be Roger for one second. Yeah. So the boy and the heron is about a young boy's, um, a, yeah, a young boy's kind of his his battle with grief after losing his mother within uh, it's it's World War Two era. So he lives out in the countryside with his with some ex- with his father and extended family out there. And during his time in in the countryside in this remote area, he discovers a tower that only he and his bloodline can kind of explore. And that's what takes us on the ride as he deals with that grief of losing his mother. And if he can, he is ultimately given the given the choice to stay into a world where he has complete control or deal with the chaos of the real world around him and accept what has happened to him in his life. That's a good uh, way to sum it up. Um, it, I mean, I think this movie, in a nutshell, is about moving on. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, what, it, what it means yeah. to move on, but mm-hmm. maybe not be angry and fearful of your pain, but accept it. And I think I, I think acceptance, memories. acceptance is probably the the biggest one here. That you get. There's a lot of things that this movie's about, honestly, but acceptance is probably the biggest one. I don't doubt. I mean, I don't doubt. I don't. This movie also chooses. Miyazaki chose weird ways to show some of this stuff. <laughs> I think that's a cultural thing, honestly, but you you are correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely steeped in um, Japanese culture and how different that, that that is from the West. But I definitely mm-hmm. think there's some cultural things here that I think may, f- while a, a U.S. audience will understand it, it'll still kind of like go over their head without without any context of the movie you wouldn't like you wouldn't understand it without the context of the film i don't think but. i mean some things will some things you know can absolutely go over your head some things just seem weird and out of place you know like it's like you'll see some stuff that happens and go and kind of like okay like i get it but why that way but i have a lot of that is always like a heavy cultural thing the tropey characters that you see and like and like you know the out like the very outbursty people that's very 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 much a culture thing especially within like like you know animation and and movies within you know within there so it it is something that can be jarring or can kind of like take you out if you're not used to that but like i said i've been watching i've been watching anime and ghibli stuff for a long time It, it it it's all just it's all just white noise and in, in, in that sense of it, be, of it being jarring to some people sometimes. Let's talk about the first hour of this movie. The, okay. Yeah. The, the setup, the build boy, up. Oh, yeah. Boy, oh boy, is it slow? It, it takes its time. And that's something that I'm, I'm not surprised about. Um, again, I mentioned the whole, you know, like they, the movie, the, the the desire is, is, I think they want it to feel like it's grounded in reality before you go on this on, on the fantastic side of, of the of the movie, the journey there, and it is slow, but like it, it wants to take time to establish, you know what, you know, what the boy is going through and the people involved in his life and why he feels compelled to even care about the choices in front of him because if 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 the movie doesn't successfully make you feel like he has actual choices to make and that he cares about one thing or another, then it doesn't make any sense for him to like make the choices he does or to care so much about, you know, being successful and bringing the people back that he, that, you know, that, you know, he feels, he feels, you know, in charge of getting back home safely, that kind of thing. So it does take its time though. You're, you're, you're right. It, 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 it builds up that family dynamic and, you know, all the, all the hags that work with it, well, you know, on their family estate and all these things and what the dad does for a living. It takes its time 
letting those relationships build in front of you uh, alongside of like what he's going through at the same time and like the finding the book from his mom and things like that. Well, it's not a bad way to look at it that they want you to, because there are long segments of the of the opening, let's say twenty five minutes, that mm-hmm. you could cut out and it would still make the same. But like, I think you're right about if you leave it in, then you establish what's real going mm-hmm. into it. So it's a better barometer for you know this 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 world that he ends up in that like real and fantastical kind of blur a line together. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think it actually helps if you take time to set it up in the beginning and you. You take time to do the mundane facts of him walking down the stairs, him walking outside, him standing in the grass, him when contemplating what he's doing, you know, all that stuff. Like, I think that's normal in a normal person's life when mm-hmm. who's just come to this tragedy. So it makes sense to, and I mean, it helps ground the movie for when it goes into a different world, especially when the heron, the first time that I'm like, the heron, like, is that a mouth coming out of the heron's mouth? <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. What is going on here? And I looked at my yeah. brother and he's like, it'll have a meaning, I, I promise. And it, yep. it really, so... I want to so the the heron is the first thing I really want to dig 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 into. Then so the heron, yeah. because once we get in, once we get past the opening of this boy has lost his mother in a in a hospital fire. This is during the war. They move away. Um, of course, Japanese Japan loses the war, um, and then by the end, we're 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 two years past the war. I think right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so he loses his mom during a hospital fire. It's tragic. His dad finds someone else. The kid doesn't like it, but they move out into the countryside. His dad's still working at a his dad's still working at a factory. Yep. And then we see this heron a couple times, and then we kind of get swept up in this adventure by the heron. By the, mm-hmm. the heron's attention for, for for the kid. And then like you start to notice like well, that can't be a that's the heron not only is it speaking, it's it's speaking as if like it's a human being. Yeah. And it's kind of odd in that sense. But I think, I mean, like, all that is, like, it wants you to think that's odd, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it, you know, this shouldn't be real, you know, like, the, this heron can't talk. But the heron is kind of, I mean, at one point, the, the the tower, the tower master, like, tells the heron to be his guide. I think that the heron was the guide all, like, from the very beginning without the heron even realizing it. Because you've, the the heron is, like, this, it start out starts out as this mysterious regal bird, and then eventually becomes this this bumbling kind of like not f- like this bumbling fool, which is also kind of kind of an enemy, but more like a frenemy, I guess. And in the end, it's you know the you know the heron ends up being the guy that it's that it's meant to be, and ends up saving him at you know certain points. So it's it's all about you know a, you know about someone who's sent to guide or people in your life may, may guide you to answers that you, you know, didn't know you had to think about. Well, um, I see, I want to, I kind of interpret the heron differently. It's yeah. Maybe as a, as a bringer of death almost. Okay. Or like, a um, I, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, but like, I kind of just kept getting, I kind of just kept getting, especially with the conversation, my brother, like, when the heron, when we first learned there's a, like it's not a heron, it's a, that it's a kind of a guy. My brother mm-hmm. leans, leans over and says, I, "I want this is gonna this is pretty significant because he's he's more way more well versed in this stuff than I am, but or in the, okay, in, yeah. the in the animated realm." But and that I, so I was thinking about it the whole time, and then of course it's offset by the heron. It's like that we we see later that it's dying because mm-hmm. it, it can't it can't get any food and it's all banged up. Yeah, all, so yeah there, there, there's the an obvious dichotomy there, and I think the movie wants you. I think Miyazaki wants you to see that di- dichotomy. 
you know, one is, but the, but the, the, the heron who's, who's all beat up is talking, is warning, is trying to like, in weird ways, talk to him about living. Mm-hmm. So I feel if that's, if the dead, if the heron that looks dead is talking about life, then the other one, death must be somehow associated with that. But that doesn't yeah. I mean those were just theories going in. So, well, yeah, well, it's like, like, like the one, the, the bird you're talking about is the reveal to, to him that, you know, they're eating the souls because there's nothing left for them to eat is what it is, which is the symbolization of, you know, like, you know, when, when, when people are desperate, you know, they'll do whatever they have to, to survive is what that is, what I think that link is. And I think that represents a lot of the war that had just passed and just ended. You know, we're, it's funny that we're seeing, you know, post-World War II movies, you know, basically a couple, you know, within a couple weeks of each other with Godzilla and then this movie. But I think there's a lot of symbolism there to, you know, like what, what that means for like what people will do when they have, when they're not left with any other choices and when they feel like they have, they have to do things. Which is, you know, what that that dying bird represented, and what who, what it was telling him. Well, I I imagine a lot of the a lot of films that Japan makes are where World War Two is the center for a lot of it. Oh yeah, it was it was a very important time in their history. So yeah, I don't doubt that it was at very all. Very important time in world history, but I mean it. Well, that there's, was there's that, especially. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, sure. I, I I understand that, especially when like their because their culture is just different than most cultures. Mm-hmm. So I I totally understand that. Um, I. There's some other things here that um, I want to talk about too. Was when you first saw the woman in this new world that he gets himself swept up into. The boy gets himself swept up into which um, woman? Hito. Um, okay. There's, there's there, there there's a very motherly kind of woman, mm-hmm. a very maternal woman. Who I'm not talking about the crazy fire woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> I'm talking about the the woman that like could very well be his mother. And yeah. I think that's what she's acting as is his his mother in a weird way too. Oh yeah, is, no, I agree with that. I mean, symbolism is huge here. So, mm-hmm. and like I, I like that because we we've just we've gotten through the we've gotten through the the hair and now we're at the mother and it's like I think these are obviously super important symbols that people I think need to there Miyazaki wants you to pick up on is, is what I'm trying oh, yeah. to say. Well, I think everything here is on purpose. Well, I think it goes back to acceptance and it's. You know, it's the idea that someone, you know, you've, you know, losing someone, but like, you know, through acceptance, you, know, it, you, you can, you can have other people, you know, fill that void for you, especially ones that want to. And it's very obvious early on that, that, you know, the woman that, you know, his, his father has chosen to move on with is willing to be a mother figure to him. And he's very resistant to all of that. So, and he's, well, it's not even resistance. It's just, it's just him being closed off. And in the end, through sense of duty, he kind of finds he kind of understands that, you know, what she was trying, what she's trying to do for him and that, you know, he needs to bring her back for that reason. Well, I think that's the that's the interesting part, Hugh, because he still doesn't he still doesn't not he's not very fond of his stepmother for obvious reasons. I mean, what boy would yeah. would be, you know, in this yeah. situation, yeah. especially when he finds out the their connection there's a connection to everything here, which I thought was also kind of a great way to put a through line here is that mm-hmm. just, if you just connect it all, then there is a through, through line mm-hmm. is that's the whole thing was did, how, how, how did that strike you? The whole, it was, was that, is, is that too on the nose? The whole stepmother and mother thing? Is that too on the nose for you? Or is that just, no. just, just the right amount of, 
on the no, nose. it's it's better than the usual stepmother thing we get, right? Where the stepmother's always the villain, right? The evil villain. No, no, this it, I think you know a movie like this where everything is put in front of you for a reason. It, it I don't think there there's there's a mistake here in that, and you know, like we've already we've talked so much about so so little of the movie and about all the different like undertones and meetings that it it's like there's going to be so much here that you get to see, and I'm sure there's going to be more things that I notice in like my third and fourth viewing of this movie. You know what I mean? It's I think that you know that I you know I don't disagree with the way that you know the stepmother is portrayed and what her role is and what she's trying to do for you know for him and as we go through the movie, we find out, you know, that he does end up accepting that and, you know, trying to kind of, you know, to save her, you know, to come, you know, to get her out of there, which is very important to him when, you know, up until this point, he hasn't been very, you know, been very good to her, whereas she's been, you know, has tried to be a mother, you know, a mother to him. And we haven't, we haven't really talked about some of the meaning of the film yet. However, I want to ask you, I don't know anything about Miyazaki's childhood, but do you think there's some of this that's I'm because because of his age range, he has to be somewhat in this era of World War Two. Oh or, yeah, or or just after World War Two, which he would have yeah. seen a lot of the stuff is. Yep. So there, I I assume there's a lot of him there in is. Mojito in in mm-hmm. in this movie. Oh yeah, well like I think he's represented in two to three different parts of this film. You know he like like there's points where where you know he like the boys are a reflection of of some of the things he's gone through, but so is the, uh, the tower master, you know, again, the tower master is looking for someone to pass on his work to, to be his successor. And, you know, he, he can no longer maintain the stability of the world that he's created, the very safe world that he has. And I think that represents him, him in the now, you know, uh, in a heavy kind of way. So, yeah, I think there's, there's pieces of him, you know, in this movie in multiple areas. Absolutely. Which I think is it, it. It's very interesting from like a an analysis point to kind of dissect. But even like watching the movie, you can kind of see, you know, like you know, the boy that we watch along the way, and the tower master could be the same person just in different points of time. If like if you really think about it, so it, it's it's very interesting to see it all unfold on uh, on screen, and you know, very beautifully too, because there's a lot of very very nice hand drawn animation sequences that are very just popping and stuff, you know, like, well, I, was... but I think those are absolutely designed like that too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially the, the color and the, and the richness of some of those, mm-hmm. some of those shots are like, those are just, those are by design. 100%. Oh yeah. Well, like, like, like the parakeets are obvious, like to like, you know, like they're, they're, they're utilized very well for like to make the colors pop. But when, when they're gutting the fish and he, and, it, and it's his turn to make the cut and how like everything kind of like explodes and spills out. That's something that you can't that like how how good that looks on screen. I don't think you can accomplish that without it being like a hand drawn piece of work, right? Like it looks very, very like I don't know, like outlandish and you know like beyond the physical. But it looks it looks very good on screen, and it's very like I don't know, like you can almost feel the squishiness of all those innards coming like spilling out in the way they do. I, I think I think it was a very cool scene to see on the screen. I, I I agree. I agree, especially what's going on at the time too, is because mm-hmm. he's fully in that in the in the other world at at, at that point. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's another question I have, but I, I mean, I'm curious: is how many people do you think watched this, like, got in this movie, and somewhere between the heron not being a real heron and getting the other world, it's, then you find out it's like a guy, and it, like, how many people do you think just said this is too weird for me, I'm out and left? Um, 
I don't think that it's easy to walk into this without knowing what you're in for. I think nowadays, I think Studio Ghibli has been around long enough and there's there's their animation style is very unique to them to where I don't think you could walk into this thinking like, you know, I'm going to take my kids out to a movie and then you sit down and it's just not what you thought it was. I don't think that happens with this, honestly. And I think that the review scores kind of like lend to that because it wouldn't be as high as it is, right? There'd be plenty of people that went, this is not a kid's movie and would just, you know, it would get a lot of negative reviews for that reason. Not like Godzilla, how I had two people, two families in there that didn't know it was going to be a, uh, a Japanese, trans, you know, subtitled movie when they walked in with their kids and the kids had no idea what was going on. So I don't think that's the case for this. Even though it's it's animated cartoon style, I think that this style, the Ghibli, you know, name behind it, people know what they're in for. Well, I only asked because there were two kids I think were somewhere between 13 to 15. They About halfway through, they stood up and they walked out. I assume they're going to the bathroom. They just never came back. Mm, gotcha. So, so I assume that they thought, this is too weird for me. I'm just, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, 100%. Which, but, again, I yeah. was going to say, I don't think you go into a Studio Ghibli film without having some kind of background on the fact that it's a Studio Ghibli film and you know what you're yeah. getting into. Uh, to me, that's just that's very weird to to do but again the, the the poster could be misleading or i i, I don't I, I don't know There's a, lot, a lot of things here i think you can get you can take away from it yeah but, what do you think of the um the child version of his mother i was just thinking about that myself um yeah, yeah. well it's 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 an interesting way to it's an, it's an interesting way to try to get across that that whole him his grief his mother his stepmother thing Mm-hmm. And for the, and it's an interesting thing for the narrative to try to piece together that for again it's one of those it's one of those things I was like why did they make that choice I wonder why Miyazaki chose certain things that he did to tell the certain part of the story now because there was there's a much more straightforward part there there's a much more straightforward way to tell the story than they chose to do it but then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Miyazaki it wouldn't be <laughs> Japanese or it wouldn't be well Ghibli, and you're losing three good I, things there. I like the hallway of doors thing though. And the whole, yeah, at, the, yeah. at, at, at a certain point where, you know, where he goes to go through a door and he, at, and he asked, you know, you, you know, you're not coming with me. And she said, this is my door. You know, I get to be your, you know, you know, I'll be your mother. I thought that was like a really, like a really cool thing. And then his response was, was, you know, was, you know, then you'll die, then you'll die in the hospital fire. And her response, I think, was such a it's such a quick line that like it's I think it's easy to miss. But the fact like her response to him saying that is, you know, that she's not uh, she says, I'm not I'm not afraid of the fire or I'm not afraid of fire. And I think that was like such a like such a powerful line, knowing, you know, that like a she now knows that's how she dies because he tells her. But like her reaction there probably gives him a lot of solace. And like it's her saying, you know, I wasn't afraid you know, when, you know, when I died because like she knew he was okay. So like, it, I, I think it's just, it's, it's things like that that you can easily miss in like, in like a first viewing of this movie that I think are just fantastic things like, like great lines in this movie and, you know, like call outs you might miss. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up because I was going to, I wanted to ask you, did that happen the same way in the English translation as well? It does. And I think like, that that's like word, word for word. Um, almost exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's just a little bit there, but like, like, like she, like she, she says, she says, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of the flames or something like that, or I'm not afraid of the, I'm not afraid of the fire. Instead, well, like, yeah. yeah, like that's the difference where she says, I'm not afraid of fire in, in, in the Japanese version. Again, it's one of those things like, I'm, I'm, I don't know why they chose to do that. However, I did like the, the hallway door scene 
Mm-hmm. Especially the way it's animated and, and like they disappear for a second when they shut the door and they when they open the door it kind of they kind of re- reappear. I do like that's I mean you get little 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 glimpses of here and there when you need to get them. Mm-hmm. And that's a really effective way to do that when you're when you want to just get something done really quick in a story you just let them see something for a brief moment and then you you, you take take it away. Yeah. Um I I did I didn't hate that part especially because no. It all kind of took place outside the what, what, what would be the tower that his mm-hmm. granduncle had built anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I I did like that. We I mean we haven't even talked about the granduncle yet, and that's kind of a <laughs> boy. You want you want to talk about some off the wall stuff? That's so like like the whole idea of like how he has to like maintain the tower. Like I think that's very much a cultural thing, or like but like it, it's the whole mis- like the the mystery behind behind the mystical as well like he has to build this weird tower out of like plain like plain blocks or whatever but then you know there's symbolism there because like you know every three days he has to deconstruct it and rebuild it and all this other stuff and but like again it's you know he's testing him the first time and telling you know and like he tells him that you know when he comes back a second time is you know you have to rebuild you know you have to build this you have to build a tower you know every every third day and it's just it's a very interesting way to like like a very interesting rule set and what needs to be done and then the parakeet king on top of it like complicates things there's it, just the, the parakeet king is, is 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 exemplifying chaos in that situation because you it's it, it's unpredictability and you know what he does kind of puts everything you know off kilter and he still has to make the decision but like the whole way through like the uncle is you know he's he's the architect he he's designed this place this is his world he wants to pass it on but he's he's been waiting for a successor and his character is also very interesting in that regard and his relationship with the world he's created and like you know the the different things that are that live there it's there's so much in this movie it's hard to talk about it without like like without the context of well i'm I'm trying not to spoil anything as you can tell my answer is being kind of vague i'm trying not to spoil things but I don't think anyone's going to listen to this without having seen it. I don't think people, you know what I mean? Like it is a very, yeah, true. this is a more unique case than most. Um, that, that's what I'm glad you say the architect thing, because I, I was trying to think of what two movies I think best kind of put this together. And my initial reaction, I think is my right reaction is what dreams may come and inception. Okay. Yeah. But I can also see someone saying the Matrix too. I was gonna say yeah, the Matrix with the architect and all the doors. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, it's definitely a world being built, and mm-hmm. then like you 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 either accept the truth or you don't the pills, and then by that way you either move on one way or the or another. So yeah, yeah. I, I can see the Matrix. But what dreams may come and in, in, I think Inception I think pretty sum up this movie really well. Yeah, yeah, I can be honest with that. You, but yeah, well, like like I don't know the the character of the uncle again uh, the. The great, the great, the great grand uncle is what he is. He like his character again, like seeking that to pass on to pass the torch, but you know having to having to balance everything. But the world is what he created, so it's very safe. It's very predictable, you know. Which is that that's what rep, that's what's represented to you know to the main to our main character because you know, he has to choose between staying there and and you know that's the safe choice you know, living in that world where he has complete control or, you know, accepting what's happened to him and moving on and living in, in a world that, you know, has unpredictability and chaos in it, which it, it's, it's hard to move away from, from predictability and safety when something like, you know, as tragic as losing your mother has happened to you. I think that's what's represented there. Well, the granduncle, he's, he's, he's the one that he's been 
Then doesn't he say that he's been in time and space, all all, all of it? He's explored yeah. everything. Yeah, and it's it's kind of an interesting way to see that. Although it's kind of silly at first, but how they present that guy, I I kind of buy that in a way. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like they mentioned, like 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 the tower has shown up on 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 worlds, you know, all across time and things like that. So it's it, it's it's interesting to think about, like you know, like how it all came to be and the building of the tower, we, we, which we get brief glimpses into, but they don't go into big detail on, but like the fact that like, you know, it's tied to him specifically. Cause he, cause you know, he, he was the one that walked into it. it it's all interesting in that regard. And they do such a cool thing when like, when they exit the tower, but they're holding onto the door handle and they can yeah, go back yeah. in because they, cause they haven't let go of the door handle. Like, but like people in the outside world can see them and they see them disappear and when things come through from the other side, like the the parakeets, for example, which are almost bipedal and they have weapons and they're huge and they're they're bigger than than like than what people are. When they come through the door, they quickly shift to actual like you know like what we know as like real world parakeets. And it's like it's that that illusion of like of like you know the things that exist in in both worlds. You know they do exist in both, but the control that the great uncle has there has made them all you know a certain way and when they come through they go back to what they're supposed to be it, it, well, it, it's interesting i think that also goes kind of hand in hand with you know if like 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 you said if if the parakeet represents chaos the parakeet king then mm-hmm. i mean with the obvious reference of war then i mean when they come through the door they're all kinds of vibrant colors and they all look great as like somewhere in there too is a is a statement about even in war and loss, there's there's beauty to be found. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's you know, I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. With I mean, that. one movie, the one that was nominated for a, a like ton of Oscars last year, um, All Quiet in the Western Front, kind of had the same kind of thing. With within all this horrible things, there is a little bit of beauty to be found. And yeah. I mean, not not that that's a Japanese film, but it's just one that came to my mind when I was watching this because of that reason. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's an interesting mix here, and I I think the one thing that kind of really kind of makes this movie more than intriguing into like almost kind of master level is is the grand uncle okay, yeah. he he's kind of the he's like the missing link here that because you understand that like he disappeared some all all these elements to uh, sorry all the a few elements disappeared at the same time yeah and in you know, they've been kind of off doing their other thing but it's all kind of like in this world where you know reality and the weird fantastical world like the the lines kind of blur here and what's real and what isn't and i kind of like how the movie kind of kind of lets you fill in some of those blanks by yourself in a way mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of cool I, I think that's a an achievement for an animated film absolutely well, an it, an animated film. i think i think so too and like the uncle like he's the most fantastical of the characters but he's also the most mysterious which i think that goes hand in hand where you can draw like a lot of your own conclusions, like uh, for like his whatever his journey has been along the way, they leave that well, very open. To, don't to don't the, those two the things kind of have to go hand in hand, uh, mm-hmm. fantastical and kind of mysterious? Don't those have to go hand in hand here? Uh, they don't have to, but it, it, it's very easy for them to do so, and it it also makes sense for them to do so. Yes, yeah. I mean, you you have something that's fantastical, but not but not mysterious, and vice uh, versa. I also love the uh, the the imagery of the building blocks. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And like that's also like that's all that was also it wasn't that was not spoon feeding. It was that was like a way to almost tie the entire second half of that narrative together was the building blocks. Well, like my like so like I was thinking about the building blocks, you know, a couple of days after I saw the movie. And I think it's so brilliant with the whole idea of those building blocks because like 
because like his like he has to create a tower out of the blocks every third day, right? That's like, like that's what that's what's said. But like so like he's building this structure which symbolizes structure, right? But because he has to use these round and these oblong shaped blocks, it's almost like you know like like within structure is stability, but there's also like there's also unpredictability and and there is instability within that structure still so it's like it's like symbolizing like you know you know you can make this as structured as you want to but it will always have some there will be always some degree of 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 instability within within a structured life and like or like like i think that is such a like a cool way to think about it i don't know if i'm way off on that but it's where my brain went because it's like why would there be round blocks in this like i don't understand why like that's how you would have to do this thing but it makes sense because like you know even with you know, creating structure, there's always factors that make it to where it won't always go as planned or it won't always be as simple as you think. And I think that represents that very well in that. Yeah, of course. I mean, and remember the parakeet king tries to build one and he's so sure that he's got it right. Yep. And it's, yep. (laughs) And and it topples like almost immediately topples. And he's like, why did that not work? I mean, I mean, isn't that, that's that's kind of part of the course too. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we're forgetting, I, one thing I meant to bring up too here is um, kind of the boy's journey from because in, in, in the beginning, you know, he's 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 teased at school, nothing yeah. major. He takes a rock to his own head and bludgeons himself. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like that arc opens itself up right away of you know that arc of 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 loss and pain and almost kind of a coward. Well, self lo- well, it also represents his self loathing, and he even says it in the movie. It represents his malice as well. So like he's not an untainted soul, so he doesn't feel like he's worthy to like take on something that you know to keep everyone safe and to for everyone to rely on him. That's why he like, he he doesn't want to touch the blocks at first, which is I think it's all everything in this movie can mean something. It's very easy to watch this film and think you know and like try to like say okay what does this mean all the way through because everything everything in this I think has some sort of tie into something, which is I think really well done and you know, almost masterful. It can almost feel like too much at times, but I think that's where like seeing this movie a couple times, you know, will bring you a lot, will bring you a lot of benefit because there's a lot happening and you could miss a lot or you just can't process everything that's going on. I, I, I agree. It's one of those. It's, and again, if you watch this again and again and again, even if it's like spaced out, like you're going to notice things you didn't notice before. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also kind of a cool thing. That's also an accomplishment too, is that's not, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of movies can't do that. They no. really have a tough time. Unless, I mean, but like Miyazaki's one of those guys that like, every time I watch Princess Mononoke, for instance, I see more things I didn't see before. Well, like, this movie does a good job of of showing you things, but not telling you. Like, this movie doesn't spoon feed anything. It in, in that regard, it has to show it. So they do a very good job visually with the things they're trying to show off. But, you know, because of that, it's not a simple film and it's not and it's very easy to miss things for the same reason. We're very used to like on, in you know, movies from, you know, from a Hollywood side of things, you know, they tell you a lot of things and they spoon feed a lot of a lot of things to you, especially especially recently. So seeing a movie like this where like they don't tell you anything, really, they just it's all through the actions of things you see on screen and actual like showing of like specific imagery and the representation of certain like you know characters and creatures and what they can mean because of that it can be a very different experience compared to what like you're used to right now you know but but, it, but it's 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 also you could also interpret this as this is all in a young boy's mind because 
he doesn't quite know how to process and factor the grief. Yeah, no, it's it's. I I would agree with you if the scenes in the movie of them hanging out of the um coming out of the tower didn't exist and didn't impact people outside of his adventure. The fact that the dad gets shit on by birds, I think, is the best way to kind of like show you that like you know that the things we're seeing aren't just in his head unless he's in a fever dream from a coma after hitting himself in the head with a rock. That's the only way I can see that. Well, I'm surprised it didn't leave that open into interpretation either. I'd have been pissed. I hate that kind of stuff. Well, I agree with you. However, there is one scene where with his first interaction with the heron, it mm-hmm. then it cuts back to him waking up and it does, I, 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 I was I was I was ready one. for that to be the case. Yeah, I was ready for that. I was like, oh man, is this going to be a, it was a dream the whole time kind of movie. I was about to be mad. Well, I don't, I don't mind. Like, I, I really think that's, that that's a cop. I agree with you. I think nine times out of 10, it's a cop out. However, yeah. here, I'm not quite sure it would have been a cop out because I mean, if you, if you, some, if you change, if you reorder this a little bit and the end in the, the climax is him. Just going through all these doors and being chased by the parakeets and 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 the, the army and and you know going through this tower that his granduncle built. If the final moment was he got to see his mother and while she's on fire, told him I'm I I wasn't I wasn't scared. Yeah, don't mourn for me. Live your own life. If that would have been the climax, and then he woke up, I I think I would have been okay with that. I don't know, man. Okay, well, so you're, you're still <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But again, usually I think that's a major, major cop out. Yeah. I hate yeah. that. <laughs> that's like the high school, um, like creative nonfiction. Oh, and then he woke up. Oh my yeah. god, my, my my teacher always <laughs> used to say, if you do that, you're going to repeat this grade. I promise you, I will not. <laughs> I will not accept that. Don't do that. Yep. So yeah, that that's a cop out, but. It would have worked in this instance, I think, too. If it, it could have, you, have, yeah. Especially if you frame it that our young boy is trying to process this incredible grief. Yep, yep. That you know, it's just it's tough, man. It, some of the some of the stuff in this movie is really tough to deal with. I mean, it's it's easier to understand, I guess, if you've been through it. But oh yeah, it's always easier to relate to something than it is to try to understand something, right? So I get that. But as it goes on, I, I mean, all, all of this, of course, will just I'll give you my you know impressions getting up because this is Studio Ghibli and watching films in Japanese is not usually my thing. But with Studio Ghibli, I'll make a exception and I always try to watch the um the old uh, the old samurai films and whatever originality I can find them in also also. But yeah, this is a very complex movie on many levels. It is. It, it very There's much is. Nothing simple about this at all. Um, this is. I mean. I was gonna think of trying to think of a game that's got like a lot of this going on too. But we, I can, but like there's there, there's nothing like that. We, but it's there's so much going on here on every single level. I mean, when I when I say Inception, I mean Inception. On there's multiple different levels of psychosis here. There's multiple different meanings to things here. That if you blink, if you blink, you you might miss something very important. Yeah, especially if you're watching it in the Japanese translation. Yep, I think that's you know, but that's also I think key here is. Watching it in the original first, and then if you want to explore further, then your country's uh, voiceover. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you? What do you think about that? Well, I, uh, I'm as a, I don't know, as a big anime guy, I, I always, if I can, if I have the, the capability of paying attention to it, 
and giving it like you know like like a good watch then i'm always going to watch the subtitled version over the the language dub just because again like i believe the true emotion like comes out within like the intended way that everything was written however like if i can't pay 100 percent attention or it's like it's something i have in the background it's you know i never want it to be in the sub at that point it's going to be the dub version so you of course watch the japanese version first yes yep okay good and how soon after that did you watch the english version uh the like shortly after like the next day oh nice okay okay yeah so it was a good one for one comparison for you it wasn't like six days later or like four days later or something like that yeah, exactly good, good uh final thoughts going into this before we move to score it final thoughts uh i'll just go into my score right after my thoughts so the 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 movie there's so much you could talk about this movie I think we could talk about this movie for a while if we wanted to, right? And that's however, because of how... However, that's not what we do on this show. So True, true. There, like, There's a lot in this film. There's this movie, if, if you are a Studio Ghibli fan, if you are an anime fan, anything like that, like, you know, this movie is a very, is a very message-driven film. It is not for, you know, for young audiences. It's it, it, it's for like, you know, like 10 and up, I would think. There are some things that are tackled here that, you know, have a lot of meaning and require the ability to kind of think about it. With all that in mind, though, like this is a beautiful film visually. It's got a great soundtrack to it. Like the score is great. Music played and sound design is, is great for it. I love some of the imagery we get all the way through the characters are well thought out and the movie is definitely trying to tell you a, a, a very, very detailed story on, uh, on a lot of subjects on a lot of levels. The, the movie's great. Um, I will end up watching it, you know, again at some point, you know, maybe a couple of times so I can really see it through. I'll probably watch this with my daughter at some point in the next couple of years. The, the movies, a, the movies a nine for me, this movie, it's not perfect, but it's, this is a really good film for fans of this space. If this isn't usually your thing, it might be a little, this one might be a little bit hard to get into. This might not, this, this probably shouldn't be your first studio Ghibli movie. If, if this, if, if that's what it has a chance of being, there's a lot going on here, but this movie is, I think it's, it's fantastic. It's very good. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Nine is what I, as soon as I walked out of this, I said, I'm given, this is a nine. This is mm-hmm. very close to a 10. But not quite. I'm just gonna go with the nine. Uh, it's a shame it's not doing better in the box office. And I wonder if it. I wonder if that's gonna have any kind of impact on him making another one, which we all know he wants to. So, well, one thing. Did, did you think that the boy looked Japanese at all? What do you mean? Like, did his character look Japanese to you? Yeah, I mean, well, no, no. Okay, hold on. I don't think, mo- like, in a lot of Studio Ghibli stuff, they don't. Like they look like Ghibli characters. I think that's the best way for me to say this. Um, yeah, I, I was. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, you, yeah, right. yeah. Like, 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 like it. It fits in in in, in that studio's animation style, hundred percent. I mean, we're told, you know, like who this, you know, who these people are. So, like, because of that, like, it's hard to to think otherwise. But I think everything here looks on point. If that's what you're asking. Well, I was saying this fits. This looks and feels like a Studio Ghibli from, film. Through oh God, yeah. There's yeah, nothing different percent. about it. It's got a wonderful presentation. The score is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. I very rich, vibrant colors that, in, in many times here, end up for several moments tell the story of what's going on in, the, in that moment. Yep. I think that's very absolutely. important here too. Is 
is it looks and feels like a Studio Ghibli film through and through. There's nothing different here. So mm-hmm. the, the the hiatus it took him to make this, you know, ten years from the last one, I don't feel there's there's a height. I mean, it, it could have been the next year, and you wouldn't. There's no difference to me here. Okay, yeah, it's fair. Which I think that's you know that's also an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a very complex story with a lot of kind of different layers to it, and I, I'm I'm really upset I didn't get to watch the English version before we talked about it because of course when I watch I'm gonna have a whole list of things I want to talk about. But. <laughs> I'm gonna just I, I know, but I have a whole like at least 10, 15 things I want to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm I'm glad I got to watch it in Japanese because that's that's the original intended way to watch it. Uh that's what agreed. They have I mean it's the emotion doesn't translate one for one always, but th- 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 this one it was it pretty can. close. It can. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was pretty close on on the, this one for at least uh things that I'm like, well, maybe it's different Japanese. I didn't think any of that. I was, you know, I, I always felt the emotion that they wanted you to feel at the at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I this is to me this is one of the better films of the year so far. Oh yeah, it, it, uh, like you said, it, it's a shame it's not making more money. But I don't think I, I didn't think it would make a ton of money. It's just people just don't see these movies, you know, in our country. You know what I mean? It's just it's just it just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, but We've like had a few have, outliers. But I imagine though these have massive like on a streaming service somewhere. These are probably watched over and over and over again with like with regulars. Um, consistent numbers every month, every year. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't. Doubt is there that. is there is there a streaming service for the Miyazaki stuff? Um, I haven't looked into it actually. Uh, that's something that you know that we can talk about another time. But I, I don't doubt it. I don't know if there if that was like a that was attached to one of the streaming services. Now I've never looked. Nothing but... that that you're gonna. It's it's probably gonna be a lot of Crunchyroll and like in those kinds of streaming services where you know any place you can find anime usually. Well, I have a nice Blu-ray set that has most of them, except the, this one and maybe maybe The Wind Rises, but it's got all of them before that. Oh, so uh, I, it's, I really it's like listen, that set. Listen here that Studio Ghibli has con- has deals with both HBO Max and Netflix. This is as of June of this year. So, oh, nice. A lot okay, of, see, a, 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 a lot of their, a lot of their stuff is on is on their platforms. Oh, nice. I'll see what's on there. Um, also on on Max Barbie just went to streaming, so you should. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that's going to get a huge amount of attention, but um, I think this is a solid. This is a solid nine. I don't think Roger would be too far off from us. Um, but just real quick, how do you think he would have watched it? Uh, he would have watched it from his coffin because he died to Mortal Kombat fatalities. Okay, so. but if if if, if he were alive, how would he have watched <laughs> this movie? I think he would have went and saw it in the original Japanese as well. I think I think he would have saw it that way, if, if he had the choice. Now, in the end, it's whenever he could have seen it as well. So I think that also would have played into it. But I think given the choice, I think one to one, I think he would have went and saw it in Japanese. Yeah, I I don't disagree. He, yeah, he has no problem seeing seeing things subtitled like that. You know, he he watched Godzilla. You know, for the same reasons. Well, we don't usually do on the show. After scoring is like a recommend, but th- th- this is as as high a recommend as, as I can say is like you need to watch this movie before it's gone. This movie, this movie deserves your time in the theater. I think is a is a is a good way to think about it. If you can't make it, if you don't want to do it, you know, you know that's fine. But like if you can and you've been thinking about it, absolutely go watch this movie in theaters. Whether it's 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 the Japanese subtitle version or the American dub or the English dub, go watch this thing in theaters. If if you've been on the fence about it, it's fantastic and it's worth your time and money. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. My my brother, who is a huge, huge Studio Ghibli fan, was he doesn't go to any movies with me. Any movies with me, like one a year. <laughs> if, 
if that, but he was mm-hmm. when I told him this is what we were watching, he's like, Well, let's go today. Let's go to let's go to the showing today. Not that today, but go. like the, the, the day the day I mentioned he was like, We're yeah. going today, you and me, let's do it. I'm like, Wow, yeah. okay. So yeah, we were both very, very happy cool. with it. Um very but cool. there's a there's a lot going on here. But yep. yes. All right, Chris, thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. This episode, Roger's uh fatality, he's dead. So goodbye at at least for this episode he might be back soon i don't know this has been episode 361a of ford love cinema movie podcast each new episode posts every tuesday and friday morning at 5 a.m on the podcast service of your choice of the following five apple podcast podbean google podcast spotify amazon music please leave a comment or two rate subscribe every little bit helps more importantly thank you very much for listening check out the show on twitter at love cinema pod i'm grayson maxwell one rogers at rog stillian and I have no Twitter. Excuse me, I'm hiccuping like crazy. Check us out on YouTube, always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at the box office success of Wonka. And we're gonna Jeremy and I are gonna record the third episode of The State of Star Wars, part three. It, uh, it ain't great. Spoiler. Wait, what did what, what did what did that mean? <laughs> the state of Star Wars. No, it ain't yeah, correct. It ain't great. <laughs> That's that made me laugh. Like, yeah, it, it ain't great. You're right. You're right. Yeah, the state of Star Wars. It ain't great. Let's go in.